Hello? I say, is anyone in here? Welcome to the house of IDP. IDP? Crikey! What the blazes is that? In the house of IDP, we follow all players on both sides of the ball. On the Read and React podcast, we tackle everything you need to know to build a championship defense for your fantasy team. That sounds terrifying. Don't you need to spend hundreds of hours learning all about defensive players? IDP is an ancient evil, but also the future. Listen to the Read and React, and we will arm you with all the arcane knowledge you need to defeat your enemies. Wowzers! You mean you distill a huge amount of information about the hundreds of players in the NFL so that your listeners can dominate their leagues? What will that cost me? The podcast is free, but once IDP sinks its flaming hooks into you, it will steal your soul! Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, as always, Dan Myler, and with me, as always, once again, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, let's bring you in right away. What's up? We're we got some fun stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to add some new participants to our DLF podcast listener league. We're going to talk about some of the winners and losers from all the things that happened in the NFL draft. So, Matt, how's it going, first of all? And tell me a little bit about what's been happening since the NFL draft. What's been on your mind? Lots of rookie drafts, man. Lots of rookie auctions. Having having a lot of fun. Uh, I, I don't have as as typical for I'm sure you too, Dan and and, and Ryan also as you know play, people that that win you know championships. <laughs> we don't have, we don't have a ton of rookie assets uh, ever, especially you and I, Dan, who usually trade them away, right? But uh, the ones that I do that I do have some money in, they've been a lot of fun. So I'm, I've had a lot of fun with this. You know, my my tiers, my rankings have have moved a little bit even since since uh, you know right after the draft. So uh, just readjusting everything and getting ready for hopefully a 2020 season. Yeah, hopefully a a good 2020 season with with a full schedule and and fans in the stadiums and all that those kind of things i've been doing a lot of the same just auctions so far ryan you have your kitchen sink stuff kicking off the first couple of leagues have started their rookie auctions i've traded away all my assets in both of those so i haven't officially made a rookie pick yet this year and we're recording on monday night so it's we i mean we're like eight days past the draft and I still haven't acquired a rookie. I, I feel like I'm missing out here. Man, I I stink at this. Well, Dan, remember, though, we are taking part in the DLF Champion Series League, the startup <laughs> draft. Well, we got plenty of rookies there. We're using those picks on rookies. I think our first, at least our first handful of picks were either rookies or second-year players. So building around the youth, those those leagues are fun. This is the second one. I've taken part in, and I think I'm just going to keep doing them until Scott Fish says, don't do any more. 
<laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, you know. There's nothing else to do, right? We're all yeah. doing the quarantine thing, and, and there's, you know, very little to do outside of that. So why not join a league? Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about the DLF Champions Leagues. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned we're in that we're in that league together once again. Uh, the second one, Matt, I know you've done one as well. They're a lot of fun. And Ryan, to, to speak to your point, I think with, we were in about round five maybe six seven and and there was a point where we said yeah you know third year players they don't they don't have a place in our on our (laughs) roster they're all rookie and second year guys so whether you want to build your team like that or, or build it through those veterans to try to win that big prize we've talked about it the last handful of weeks there's 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 a big prize at the end of three years thousand dollar grand prize be the best in your league there's of course four conferences really of 12 teams uh if you get the most cumulative points based on how you do year in and year out in the regular season and in the postseason you'll win that thousand dollar prize so on top of the regular yearly prizes the uh, the big prize is at the end. Uh, we, we've been talking a lot about it, fellas. DLF Champions Leagues, DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash Safe Leagues. You can sign up today. Join one of those leagues, and maybe you'll play, be playing against Matt, Ryan, myself, maybe one of the other DLF writers. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this this podcast listener league, guys. We haven't we haven't mentioned a lot of about this that, you know, really all off season, it's time to fill these three openings to fill all the, all the listeners in every year. We, we kick out, we, we shun the three that finish on the bottom and we invite three new owners. So those three that we had to say goodbye to, they'll have another chance next year to get back in, I guess. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to invite three new ones, Matt. Talk to me about the process, about how, how we, how we got these guys in? Uh, we got to give credit where credit's due because somebody drew the names, right? Yeah, that's right. It's really, really scientific. You know, we plug it into our calculators and our analyzers, and then Grayson comes in and <laughs> and and uh, Ryan's son and and pulls out th- three names out of a hat. So that's what we did. We got three good ones. I don't know you guys yet, but I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Our first one is going to be Flynn Ashley at Flynn Ashley Four on Twitter. James Baird. Uh, he actually bought. Th- three leagues uh so thank you so much for that james uh at ww chicken dinner with no ease with <laughs> ww chicken dinner uh so we'll we'll get you guys in the chat and then also ryan Gr- grano i'm probably butchering that name but it, the twitter is at ff underscore green toe uh so congratulations to you guys you'll be joining the, the dlf listener league this season and we'll get you guys brought into that chat soon and we need your help because if shecky wins a third in a row we might have to just cancel the league and start over yeah we're disbanding so shecky yeah. you better step take a step back here uh of course shecky's the two-time champ uh we're all in it to take him down and that that's the really the goal congratulations to flynn James and Ryan for joining the league and and big thank you to our main man Grayson who who drew those three names uh Flynn James Ryan send out a thank you uh at Ryan MC 23 send it send it to Grayson because uh he's the one who added you to our league so guys we got we got a lot to talk about we got a, we're, we're going to try to go through the first two rounds 
of the NFL draft, all the skill players really, and talk about the winners and the losers, not from a rookie perspective, but from that veteran perspective. And we're going to start right at the top. The the first pick in the NFL draft, Ryan, in Cincinnati was Joe Burrow. This had a pretty obvious uh, loser attached to it. Sure, and this is this one was, I guess, maybe a little different feel because we we knew this pick for so long. Even uh, we could even say it was safe to assume before the season even ended. Uh, once the Bengals locked up that top pick, it was going to be Joe Burrow, and that was going to be uh, the end of Andy Dalton's tenure in Cincinnati, which of course came to pass uh, just over the past few days that. Uh, He was not traded. He was released and ultimately signed with the Cowboys to be uh, the the presumed backup to Dak Prescott there. So, of course, not only with the addition of Joe Burrow, but also Dalton having to settle for a backup job. He's certainly a a value loser. Uh, and, And that really comes into play in super flex leagues, because that's really where that's really where Dalton had his value as as your quarter as your second quarterback, maybe even your third quarterback. Um, and now he's he's just a depth guy, and and you're basically waiting on an injury, which none of us want to come. Yeah, we never want to use that roster spot on a guy that we're hoping someday gets a chance if he doesn't have that huge upside, like the guy we're going to talk about who went fifth overall in the draft. That's Tua. He went to the Dolphins, Matt, and there there was a similar situation here. Already a veteran quarterback in place, but it's a little different considering Tua's injury and Fitzpatrick and, and his really connection with that Miami offense. Yeah, Fitzpatrick played really well you know actually down the stretch there you know we 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 don't know if that's going to continue ryan fitzpatrick does have a tendency to play really well for a short period of time and all of a sudden he implodes you know there's a chance i guess that as a veteran quarterback he's you know not going to necessarily do continue to do that but that has been his history but regardless you know I, to his time is coming soon. Like maybe Fitzpatrick gets half a season. Like that's, that seems optimistic to me um, uh, from for, for Fitzpatrick's uh, uh, position. Anyway, I don't think we're going to see Fitzpatrick be the start of the entire season. So I think we will absolutely see Tua in year one at some point, whether that's four games or six games or eight games, I don't know. Uh, but if you are, you know, in your super flex league and you're wondering if I, I should really take this guy at two or for me one overall, because he does, he does have that veteran in front of him. Uh, I, I, I personally, would not be too consider uh, too concerned about that. I think Tua is is the next great quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think I can speak for all of us when I when I agree with you, Matt. Uh, so many of us, or so many in the community, have talked about Tua's injury and how scary it is, and and how landing in Miami might not be all these tiny red flags. It doesn't really add up to much to me either. Feels like Tua is the guy I want, especially in those super flex, flex leagues, Matt. One other thing I wanted to point out, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a plug for another podcast, but uh, the Move the Six podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they, they do a, a series every year called uh, whatever the quarterback's name is, 360. So if you look up Tua Tungo Vailoa 360 on their feed, you'll get to know a lot about the the, the man himself, I guess, too, not just uh, you know all of the skills on the field. So that's a great one to check out if you just want to get to know this guy. He seems like a just an amazing person in addition to being such a great quarterback. Uh, so if you want a little bit more peek in, and under the hood, so to speak, then uh, check that one out. Matt, I want to throw it right back to you with the sixth pick and Justin Herbert, because you were, you've been 
you, you've talked a lot about that char- that Chargers connection, that that situation there. Talked about maybe Tua landing in in Los Angeles. You were hoping for that. They end up with Justin Herbert at six. You've also been a Tyrod Taylor supporter, a guy that kind of thought uh, if he got his chance and and was under center for a year, he could be useful to dynasty owners. What are your thoughts about this situation here? Obviously, Tyrod can't be a winner with Justin Herbert landing there in the top six picks of the NFL draft. No, and certainly not long term. But you know, I, this I think Herbert lands in the best situation, and I think the team as it is, even with Tyrod, you know, he's he's a fairly conservative quarterback. Uh, but I but I think with the team in place, you know, they're 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 probably a playoff team with Tyrod there. So uh, I, I guess I don't know what it's going to take for Herbert to get on the field. Whether he just beats him out in training camp, I cert- that's certainly a way to do if we have a training camp. Uh, uh, you know, certainly he has an opportunity to do that. But you know. If the, if the Chargers keep winning and they go to the playoffs with Taylor, I, I don't really see Herbert necessarily getting in there early like the other two. Yeah, a little bit different situation. Ryan, I want to talk to you a little bit about the, these three quarterbacks in general because although we, we haven't really talked about winners with these, you could probably list the receivers in Cincinnati and Miami and even in Los Angeles, maybe even the running backs and, and the offense in general as winners. These guys have, have a little bit of an upgrade. They, there's there's a better chance that the, the pass catchers in these three cities could be more productive for dynasty owners. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, anytime a, a team gets a perceived upgrade at quarterback and, and when you're taking a, a quarterback in the top six you certainly hope that's what you're getting uh, but anytime you get that upgrade at quarterback you you feel like it's going to um, kind of be passed on to the rest of the offense the receivers tight ends uh, running backs especially of course uh, from from our dynasty and, and fantasy perspective I guess I was trying to think back to really the the quarterback situation of the past couple of years with these three teams and just think about which is actually the biggest upgrade and Matt touched on it with Miami um of, of course I'm I'm excited about two as as a long-term option there I agree with Matt that I think he's he's going to be great for them but Ryan Fitzpatrick was pretty great for them at least from a fantasy perspective last year as well so I don't know that what we see from Tua is going to be necessarily an upgrade for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams in the short term. Um, and, and I would even say the same with, with Andy Dalton and, and Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. To me, the, the big upgrade is going to be from Phillip Rivers, who just seemed to have a, a totally dead arm, to Justin Herbert, who uh, is, is 10 times the athlete Rivers ever was. Um, I mean, he, he has the big arm. Uh, obviously younger of course and uh but but he can tuck it and run as well and he's perfect for that that anthony lynn scheme i think you know tyrod obviously has history with him there but that play action passing scheme that those bootlegs that he likes to run i think herbert is going to be really excellent at that once he finally gets on the field yeah and i think whether you want to look back the past dozen years and, and think about rivers or just their other option being tyrod i think herbert's a, a major upgrade over both of those, uh, both of those guys at this point, is is he? I, I, we're not doing a mock this week, but is he your, your you guys' three in superflex? Or are you going to wait a little bit longer? 
I'd end up waiting for sure. Uh, in fact, it's been it's been really interesting over the last couple of weeks. All the all the drafts I've seen, it's not even a given that Joe Burrow and and Tua end up one two in these super flex leagues. All these running backs owners are fired up about getting these running backs on their rosters. Yeah, I mean, I I would not consider Herbert at three for sure. Uh, if you're talking three overall, uh, he's he's easily the quarterback three. And in fact, right. I think there's a big gap between between he and everybody else. Uh, I mean, he's he's falling to nine or ten in some of these super flex leagues, which is uh, it's a bargain. Uh, yeah, of course, a great bargain. Yeah, the kind of guy that would go a lot higher in most most seasons, but this this class is just so loaded. Speaking of which, let's talk about some of the other players that that all of our dynasty owners are excited about adding to their rosters. There was a there was a run on these receivers. The next handful of players really Matt were wide receivers and that started off with the wide receiver one in this rookie class that's Henry Ruggs which was a little bit of a surprise to some landing in Las Vegas with the 12th pick overall what are your thoughts about the winner the veteran winners and losers in Las Vegas now that Ruggs is in town this is a tough one to talk about to me for me to talk about because I, I am not a Ruggs fan. But clear the clear loser here obviously is 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 Tyrell Williams. I think he's no longer the quote unquote wide receiver one there. Um, and I, I, I guess I guess Darren Waller too. If we talk if we want to bring in the rest of the the the, the wide receivers that they drafted, like it just seems like the opportunity for him is going to be a little bit smaller. Um, and they're going to really have to get rugs involved on on the short passes, you know, because that's I think that's what Derek Carr's strength. And if they make a move to Marcus Mariota, that's certainly his strength. Neither of these guys are, you know, really great deep ball throwers. So uh, rugs is rugs is the clear winner. I don't know if there's really any other winners. Maybe you can say Derek Carr if they if they are creative enough to get him involved uh, with the short passing game. Um, but if they're going to use him as play, purely a deep threat, then I'm not sure who the who the other winners are, unless you just want to talk about him clearing out space underneath for for the shorter options. Ryan, the second receiver taken in the draft was Jerry Judy with the Broncos. There, there's a clear winner there. Uh, probably the winner of the entire NFL draft was Drew Locke, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, not just the Judy uh, draft pick in the first, they followed that up uh, with another receiver in the second. We'll get to him later. They take Albert O. Uh, later in the draft, another offensive weapon, and and that's all on top of signing Melvin Gordon uh, in free agency. That's all on top of Cortland Sutton's breakout year last year. Um, I mean, it was not that long ago we were questioning if Drew Locke would even be the starter. And in fact, I, I still see comments pop up occasionally the Broncos should sign Cam Newton or, uh, you know, the Broncos should should sign Jameis Winston before he signed or or, or whatever. So I, I think there's still some people uh, and maybe maybe you two guys included who are doubting Drew Locke. And, and I, I get why you might. Uh, but the, the Broncos and uh, and John Elway are doing everything they can to make him successful. Um, one thing I've been trying to decide and I would love to hear from either of you because I I'm just not sure do we view this as a negative for Cortland Sutton I I view it as a negative only in terms of I think it caps 
honestly, I think it caps both of their upsides. You know, I, I don't feel like Locke, I mean, maybe he can support two weapons. I don't know. We haven't really seen it yet. He hasn't really had this many weapons to support. Um, but I, I personally don't buy that he can support more than two. And with both of them there, I mean, the, the great thing about them is they complement each other so well. Like Locke literally has every possible tool in the tool belt to, to work with now in that passing offense. Um, but I, I do think that Sutton's ultimate upside is going to be capped by Judy. I think it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen year one, but I do think it's possible that Sutton ends up as the, the quote-unquote wide receiver two there and Judy takes over as the one. There's going to be a loser, though, for sure, because we're not even just talking about Judy and Sutton. There's also Noah Fant, and you you mentioned Fant. the yeah the, the, the tight end, uh, Albert O, who was added as well. So if, if he's a red zone threat, that takes away from Fant. And if Judy becomes that deep threat, well, then Sutton has to work the short to intermediate and maybe doesn't get so many downfield throws, and, and that caps his upside, like you said. There is going to be a loser. I wasn't questioning whether whether Locke had the opportunity, Ryan. It It's the skill. It's the overall ability to get the best out of all these weapons that he now has in place. I'm not convinced on Locke. I hope I'm wrong about it, because there are a few places where I have him, and, and I'd like to see him succeed, because I do like Judy, and I have Sutton in so many places, and I've been a big Noah Fant fan. It's just unlikely, really, fellas, and and I'd be surprised if you disagree that he can support all of these weapons, especially when you throw Melvin Gordon into the into the uh, mix along with the running backs that were already on the roster. I mean, they're certainly not letting him have any excuses after this year, right? Like if he if he fails with this offense, it's it's probably over for Locke. I do think it's fun and interesting that they've decided basically to to give up on defense to compete with. With Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're just they're just going to try to outscore him. Which, with Drew Locke as as the as the the quarterback, you know, I don't know how he can really keep up with Mahomes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can. I don't know if Drew Locke can can feed all these all these mouths he suddenly has. But if you look at their numbers from last year, um, Cortland Sutton, as I said, had that breakout season. He was still wide receiver nineteen. So. You know, it's not like he was a top five guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised, even with Judy, uh, even with some of these other pieces, if Sutton was able to replicate that performance. Um, a- after Cortland Sutton, the, their next best wide receiver from a fantasy standpoint was wide receiver 95. That was Deshaun Hamilton, who is uh, one, of, one of the clear losers in this. <laughs> I, I mean, he was he was his value was basically gone after after a disappointing year last year. But now it's. Now it's certainly gone. Uh, Philip Lindsay was RB19. Noah Fant was tight end 16. So even with all these additions, I think we could still see that team just with some stability, just with Drew Locke instead of Joe Flacco or who, Brandon Allen? Is that who it was? Um, yeah, just a, just a full season of Drew Locke versus those other two quarterbacks. I think we could see Fant and Sutton take steps up from a fantasy standpoint and still Judy and, and Gordon and everybody else kind of coexist. Ryan, speaking for all the Sutton owners out there though, I I think we all had 
had expectations that he was going to build on that wide receiver 19 finish. So we, we all had hopes that he'd get into the back end of the wide receiver ones. And now the Judy addition, maybe even the Hamler addition in the second round that caps that upside though. So, you know, all of us that were, were trying to add him or, or already had him on our rosters and we're penciling him in as our wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. Maybe that's capped now because of these, these transactions that they've made. I just don't think it's unrealistic that he can improve on a wide receiver 19 finish. I don't, I don't either. I just think that even if, if drew lock is good, both of these guys are going to settle in as like, you know, low end wide receiver twos, maybe, maybe upper wide receiver, probably top 30, maybe for both of them, but neither one of them is going to hit that wide receiver one threshold. I don't think feels to me that because Sutton has been around, he, he's dealt with these quarterbacks and dealt with the corners throughout the league and, and in the AFC West. He has the upper hand, at least in the short term. I, I'd be betting on Sutton to be the top receiver in Denver. But let's move on, fellas. We spent enough time on the, on the Broncos, and we're going to get back to them, hopefully, if we get to round two this week. Let's go on to the 17th pick in the draft. That's where C.D. Lamb went to the Dallas Cowboys Matt and there's an obvious winner here Dak gets another weapon there's probably an obvious loser here as well yeah I mean you have to think it's Michael Gallup I think Lamb is better than Gallup but Gallup is no slouch you know this team is so fun I don't know how defenses are gonna you know put you know seven or eight in the box to stop Zeke I don't know how uh, uh, they're going to stop this passing offense like this team. I mean, on paper, we say this about some teams, you know, every year, it seems like, uh, but you know, it just seems like right now, this is a team that offensively, I don't know how anybody is going to stop. And if lamb, you know, if he lives in the slot, especially in year one, you know, that's where he feasted in college. I think he uh, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think he was the, had the most yards from scrimmage from the slot position in, in all of, all of college football last year. Um, and he's just an absolute monster there. And, you know, he's interchangeable. He can play outsides Cooper obviously also good in the slot so once once he gets really acclimated that offense and they're moving both of these guys all the way around uh it's going to be incredible and Gallup he's still a good player I think I I do think he's going to be third fiddle I still think he's going to be you know usable in fantasy but uh I think it's it's the lamb and, and Cooper show for the most part for fantasy purposes it's really unfortunate because Gallup had such a nice season for the Cowboys in 2019 and I think a lot of us as dynasty owners were anticipating a step forward but the CD Lamb pick in the middle of the first round certainly certainly slows the progression down for Michael Gallup as at least for us fantasy owners with the 21st pick another wide receiver came off the board Ryan that was Jalen Rager who landed in Philadelphia one of the prime wide receiver landing spots in this draft we were all hoping that Carson Wentz would get another uh, another weapon to deal with uh, man, Philadelphia desperate for a receiver, a guy that can get downfield and, and a guy that can be a big playmaker in the red zone from the outside. We're used to those tight ends, of course, being there, Ryan. Uh, Jalen Rager, talk to me about the winners and losers among the veterans in Philadelphia. Well, the winner has to be Carson Wentz. Um, just surviving the disastrous uh, <laughs> 2019 season with, with so many injuries, namely to Deshaun Jackson and to Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, so, so he's the clear winner just to get, uh, just to get that deep weapon. The Eagles have been trying to fill this, 
this speed threat for so long. They finally thought they did it with bringing Djax back, and he last uh, lasted what one, one game basically. I think I think he just ended up playing a couple games for them last year. Um, so I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see both Djax and Alshon Jeffrey not even on that that week one roster because not only did they add Jalen Rager, but they traded for Marquise Goodwin. They draft uh, a couple late wide receivers, day three guys, John Hightower and, and Quez Watkins, who both uh, their, their games are all about speed as well. So uh, good luck keeping up with the Eagles wide receivers this year. Yeah. It feels like they're, they're trying to move towards that speed scheme that we see throughout the league. Another team trying to do that. Well, another team trying to add another receiver, Matt, came at pick 22, Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins, obviously a winner, gets another weapon, maybe maybe one to replace Stephon Diggs. Is there a loser in Minnesota as well with the addition of Justin Jefferson? You know, at first, I, I, it still is a really good spot for Jefferson, but I do. the more I think about it, I worry a little bit about how the targets are going to break down because Thielen has clearly been way more successful in the slot than he has been on outside. But Justin Jefferson, I think, is... I think he's purely a slot player. He's a big slot, you know, but I I don't think we, he's going to be able to play on the outside at, with uh, NFL talent at, at defensive backs. Um, so I do worry a little bit that these two are going to cannibalize each other from that position, and one of them is going to have to learn to play outside. And my, my guess is it's going to have to be Thielen. Uh, so I, I worry a little bit, but I think on 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 the surface it's a good it's a good landing spot for him because he has a quarterback that is comfortable throwing to the slot like that. And obviously there's you know basically no talent at wide receiver after Thielen and himself. Uh, you know no 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 no. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to talk bad about the rest of the receivers on on that team, but it's really going to be these two I think, and then those two tight ends. So uh, like I said, I worry a little bit, but it it seems like an okay landing spot if they can work out where each are going to play. Matt, I like that point that you made about the tight ends. Those guys could step up this year, especially with Justin Jefferson learning the ropes and, and not not a lot of talent outside of those two, outside at, at the receiver position. Ryan, let's throw it back to you. Pick 25 in the first round, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, seems like the the replacement, the, the guy on the outside that they needed, they needed to add a little bit more use, somebody to go with Debo Samuel. Uh, he, he lands in San Francisco. There's, there's some other youthful wide receivers in San Francisco that might take a step back because of the IUK addition though. Yeah. They just, this is just another spot that they had. Uh, they had some questions at, and uh, you really, think about it it's kind of surprising they had such success last year because uh basically everyone was a bust at that at that wide receiver position except uh of course Debo Samuel um so now I mean I I I don't really see any other way it can go other than Debo and Ayuk uh as the two main wide receiver targets and of course George Kittle is really the top target there but it's it's bad news for Dante Pettis, which is not a surprise after last year. It's bad news even for Kendrick Bourne, who had a nice, uh, a nice kind of under the radar season last year. Be careful talking about Dante Pettis there, Ryan. You, you end up getting a tweet and, a, and an army of Pettis fans uh, uh, attacking you on Twitter. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, there there was one specific tweet that Ryan sent out about about Mr. Pettis that that he got a response from. That man, did you get 
you got you got so much grief for that. I, I didn't know there were that many Dante Pettis fans. There, I thought are it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the 26th pick of the first round of the NFL draft. Matt, you're, you're perfect to talk about this one. <laughs> Jordan Love to the Packers. Lots of Packers fans have been critical, of course. I think, I think there's probably a lot of people that say this is negative news for a lot of the Packers. Uh, maybe not a lot of winners in Green Bay because of it. The loser is obviously Rodgers because he doesn't get that big weapon to throw it to. Also, I think it's pretty pretty clear that maybe Aaron Rodgers won't finish his career in Green Bay. This this is the kind of pick and and this the, the draft as a whole honestly, it's one of those that that makes people you know give up on their team so to speak and it makes me really only want to root for my fantasy teams this year and not for the Packers cuz it just it's 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 just infuriating that in you know the best wide receiver class in history, if we're going to call it that, I think that's the moniker that's going around. And they don't take a wide receiver to help out their quarterback, who got them to the NFC Championship game last year, you know, almost to the Super Bowl, and you're and without a stellar passing offense. And then you go and you draft his replacement. And it, it the most infuriating thing about it, maybe aside from not picking a wide receiver, is that it doesn't make any sense from what they apparently want to do, which is to play defense and run the ball, right, with AJ. Dillon in the second round uh Jordan Love is a mistake prone quarterback so that does not play into what they apparently want to do so I, I get it I guess from the upside if he hits his upside then then great we've we, we've we've moved from Favre to Rodgers and we have another first round quarterback that's gonna you know continue that 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 the series of excellence but I I just don't see it with Love I don't see it without the wide receivers if Rodgers can't do it without the wide receivers then Jordan Love certainly cannot do it without the wide receivers the one winner I would say is Devontae Adams, who I think probably could lead the lead in targets this year. Wow. I, I sure hope so. That'd be great for my dynasty teams, yeah, Matt. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Let's talk about the final pick of the first round, Ryan, because this was one we were all, as dynasty owners, excited for. We wanted to see if the Chiefs would take that plunge into the running back position. Maybe not the name a lot of us expected to see. There was a lot that thought Taylor, maybe Swift, you know, geez, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That, uh, all us Dynasty owners, we, we kind of all thought he was the fourth guy. He sprung up Dynasty rookie uh, rankings because of that draft pick for good reason. But there's, there's, there's a veteran on that roster that takes a big hit because of Clyde landing in Kansas City. Yeah, as as good as this was for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's uh, dynasty value, it it moved him from uh, the the one six, one seven, one eight pick to uh, to the one hundred one. He's he's one hundred one in our new ADP. He's been the top pick in the majority of rookie drafts I've uh, participated in or followed. So, but as good as that is for him, it's that bad for Damian Williams and. He's already given us, you know, reasons why. Uh, I mean, he had the slow start to his season last year, and, I mean, he had the slow start to his career. He wasn't even uh, a player that we cared about until the end of the uh, 2018 season with the Kareem Hunt suspension. So um, it, it didn't take much for – it wasn't going to take much for Dynasty owners to kind of kick Damian Williams to the curb if it was one of these top five wide uh, top five running backs 
it was going to happen no matter who it was, if it was first round or second round or even third round. And, and even honestly, even if it was a, uh, if it was AJ Dillon or Keyshawn Vaughn or one of the, the second, third, fourth round running backs, we would be having similar things to say about Damian Williams. Matt, I got to bring you into this because Kansas City landing a running back, it just it just deserves that kind of attention. Your thoughts about the winners and losers in Kansas City and, and on Williams and, and Clyde in general? Yeah, we've had some, you know, this is this is the time of year for misinformation and misdirection and all that. And they're saying all the right things that, you know, this is going to be a timeshare. Damien's a starter and Clyde's going to have to work himself into it. But we saw the true colors on draft night when they not only spent that first round pick, but when they the, the coaching staff basically said that he's better than Brian Westbrook. And we know how good Brian Westbrook was. So uh, I, I don't know if there really is a loser. Uh, maybe whoever was going to be there. Maybe it's maybe it's Hardman, you know, as their as their third wide receiver there or, or I guess I guess we're going to put Hardman ahead, go ahead and put him ahead of Sammy Watkins right guys so maybe Obviously. Sammy Watkins maybe Sammy Watkins is the loser I don't know I don't really think there is necessarily a loser with with this deal other than Damian Williams I guess and the rest of the running backs yeah it's all it's all in those other running backs Damian Williams is going to mix in though let's not he will let's not forget about him completely there's going to be a time where dynasty owners can use Damian Williams in their lineups let's burn through round two guys because there's a lot to get to obviously the NFL spent a lot of uh second round picks on skill players and it started right at the top again Cincinnati Bengals they take T Higgins Ryan and Get Joe Burrow another weapon to add to that receiving core who who already has a couple of big names. Is there a loser in Cincinnati? Because the addition of T. Higgins, that seems like Burrow might be the winner. Yes, I certainly think he is. It's been uh, – we don't think about the Bengals as a, as a rich-get-richer uh, situation very often. But, I mean, Burrow was, was already walking into A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and – uh, John Ross, who flashed a little bit, and and Alden Tate, who who had a solid uh, 2019 season as well, uh, but then they add Higgins, who I think is basically the the AJ Green replacement. This will be this will be Green's last year with the Bengals, uh, is is how I see see it playing out. And Higgins walks right into that starting job in 2021. Uh, we'll see how much of a um, how much of a redshirt year this is. So eventually, I think it's going to be bad news for AJ Green. It's certainly bad news right now for for Tate and Ross, who kind of had that sleeper potential, uh, one one of the last guys on your on your fantasy bench, and see what happens. And and yeah, that that's uh, that potential is gone now. The Bengals also made the decision uh, not to pick up the option on John Ross. So also most likely his final season with the Bengals. Yeah, and you can say what you want. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe John Ross getting a fresh start somewhere would be something that that would be good for his dynasty value. That we will we will see. Matt, the very next pick in round two, the thirty fourth pick overall, that was Michael Pittman going to Indianapolis. Nice landing spot. Another team that we were excited to see. Maybe they add a wide receiver if it's high enough. That could be a guy that moves up rookie draft boards. Pittman in Indianapolis, does that do anything for any of these veterans on the Colts roster? 
I don't think there's any losers, but I think Philip Rivers is a clear winner here. He has experience playing with these big receivers. Remember Vincent Jackson? I believe he was 6'5", 230, something like that. Uh, and he was fast, too, 4'4", 6", Pittman at a 4'5", 2", um, one inch shorter than Vincent Jackson, but not that that matters. So I think this is going to be great for Rivers. Uh, you know, it's going to let T.Y. run down the field again if he's if he can stay healthy. So I think I think everybody really wins with this one. Uh, you know, if they use him more as – I don't think that's going to happen, but if they use him more as a slot option, then I guess you could say maybe Jack Doyle or one of the tight ends is going to be a loser. But I think everybody wins with this one. Yeah, it feels like a big winner. Maybe the biggest winner is the rookie himself, Michael Pittman, landing yeah. in Indianapolis and getting that opportunity to to really play right away. Uh, let's move on to the 35th pick, third in the second round, Ryan. That was DeAndre Swift. He landed with the Lions. Another one, a clear loser in Detroit. Yeah, I carry on Johnson and and. This was one that was kind of, I thought it was easy to see coming. A lot of the mock drafts I looked at projected the Lions to take a day two running back. Uh, yet there were still many who seemed surprised by this, who were treating Kerryon Johnson like a safe dynasty asset. And and he he really shouldn't have been uh, based on his injury history. Um, I, I do think, though, we're maybe being a little too quick to bury carry on Johnson. He's 22 years old. He has performed when healthy. That's, that's the big, uh, the big thing to keep in mind, but now he's, he's not going to be viewed as the bell cow or as the every down back. He's going to have um, a, a very talented back to share touches with. And ultimately that could be good news for carry on Johnson. Could be good news for carry on Johnson. Could be, bad news for DeAndre Swift if that's if that's what plays out if in fact Swift being there keeps carry on Johnson healthy all season it could be rough for both of them or, or maybe not rough but but ding them each a little bit uh, we'll see how that plays out in Detroit a few picks later in the second round Jonathan Taylor went to the Colts so we'll throw it back to you Matt JT landing with the Colts they they were a team that was rumored to take a running back, but but a lot of us dynasty owners we've been leaning a little bit on Marlon Mack and the value that we got him if, with him a few years ago. Is Mack a loser? It seems pretty obvious that he is. I think he's certainly a long-term loser, at least with the Colts. You know, maybe he resurfaces with another team. Again, we're in the 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 time of in the season of coach speak, and you know they've said that it's going to be a one-two punch with Mack and Taylor. But uh, I think we all believe that once Taylor gets on the field and shows what he can do, Max probably going to take a, a back seat there. Um, I don't know if we can say the other ones are necessarily uh, a loser. Uh, Naheem Hines, obviously the pass catching back, and I don't think that's going to be a strength of Taylor. You know, maybe they use him as a dump off option. I think he can do that, but Max certainly the more explosive player there in the receiving game. So I, I think Mac is probably the loser and, and everybody else again, like with, with the Pittman pick, everybody else wins, Ryan. Yeah, I just think, Mac is of all these running backs we've talked about, Carry on Johnson and and Damian Williams. Mac feels like the ultimate loser because we. It's safe to say that Taylor is a better runner than Marlon Mack. I think Naheem Hines is a better pass catcher than Marlon Mack. I I just don't know where Mac's role comes in into play. The one the one thing I will say is that was it South Florida he went to I think. I can't remember the college yeah. somewhere yeah. in Florida. Yeah. yeah. He, he did catch a decent amount of balls there. So I think he can be a receiving back. I just don't know if they're going to give him that role over Hines. 
Yeah, the, the same case could be made about Taylor, who, who showed the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit at Wisconsin in his final season. So, you know, if we're if we're looking for for ways to get Marlon Mack on the field, I think there's a case to be made that Jonathan Taylor does everything just as good as Mack and a lot of things better than Mack. So, so it's clear there is a loser there, and it's Marlon Mack. I, I did like your point, however, Matt, about maybe in the long term, Mack finds another home at some somewhere that he can do a lot of the things that he's done in the past. He's not bad. Just, he's, he's not, not bad. bad. Yeah, there, there's a place for him in the league for sure and and certainly a place for him on your dynasty roster. So if you're looking for something long term, maybe Mac is a is yeah. a buy low that that could gain some value over the next year or two. Just just, just look how quick uh, Devontae Freeman got scooped up. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, he didn't. <laughs> He's nicely, a little bit younger and a little put. less broken. Zing, we got <laughs> we got burned there by Mr. <laughs> McDowell. Uh, let's go on to LaVisca Chenault, another guy with injury concerns. We talked about Carrion Johnson just a couple minutes ago. He lands in Jacksonville. So Chenault with Gardner Minshew with the rest of those receivers over there, Ryan. What do you think about this situation in Jacksonville? Chenault landing there. Is there winners? Are there losers? I think any any weapon added to that offense was going to be a uh, was going to make Gardner Minshew a, a winner in this scenario. So certainly going to help him. Uh, basically, it was DJ Chark and nothing else there, uh, or at least no one else that could be relied on as a, as a consistent threat. We'll see if Chenault can do that with with those injury uh, issues that you mentioned. Uh, it's definitely bad news for D.D. Westbrook. I think it could be bad news for Leonard Fournette as well because uh, Chenault can play out of the backfield a little bit. Yeah, I like that. That's that's kind of a sneaky loser, Leonard Fournette. He he can move around the formation. If you watched him at all in college, Chenault uh, regularly, even at the goal line, he 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 would run that wildcat. He scored a few touchdowns doing that. Chenault, an athlete that can move around the formation, maybe that maybe that affects more than just those wide receivers. So keep that in mind while you look at who wins and who loses with that pickup in Jacksonville. Let's let's talk about a little bit about the pickup that was made in the second round in Chicago, Matt. That was Cole Komet, the tight end. Uh, man, they have a pile of tight ends, Matt. Uh, maybe all of them are losers. Maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not sure what to think about this situation with the tight ends in Chicago. What Shine a little light for me. There's there's no light. It's it's dark. It's dark. It's, it's dark. dark in Chicago. Well put. Uh, with the tight ends, you know, I, I I guess I guess I sort of understand the pick because they've been trying to find a tight end for that offense for ever since Nagy took uh, took took the helm. Uh, you know, but they they signed Jimmy Graham for some reason this offseason. So there's they're just searching for somebody to put in that position. Commit to me though, he's not somebody who's going to add value to his touches. He's you know, he's, he's athletic enough. He can catch the ball well enough. He can block well enough. He, he's going to be a boring option, I think, for fantasy and honestly for, for the NFL. I guess I guess you can say Shaheen and the other nine tight ends on the, on the roster are losers, but, you know, may, may, maybe not. Maybe, may, maybe none of them do anything. That's really my prediction is that none of them do anything. 
Yeah, that's what you get for showing Greg Olson the door ten years ago or whatever that was. He he turns into a, a regular bowler, and and you just can't find a guy to play his position in Chicago. How about KJ Hamler, Ryan? One of my favorites coming into the draft. A guy that I thought he's explosive. I couldn't wait to see where he would land. Well, he goes to Denver, and as we all know, they they picked Jerry Judy the night before. So while my excitement was limited a little bit because Judy was already there and obviously a higher-end prospect, there's still things to like about Hamler. He certainly knocks down uh, a few of those other receivers uh, a few pegs because there aren't going to be a lot of other opportunities for, for anybody beyond that big three in Denver. Yeah, we so we already talked about Drew Locke being the winner with the addition of Judy Hamler and and the other changes that that the Broncos have made this offseason. But if you had any little strand of hope left for Deshaun Hamilton, uh, maybe he could be that third wide receiver with with Judy and Sutton. This pick, uh, I think, just uh, just killed that, killed his dynasty value. So so Hamilton is. It doesn't hurt too much because, like I said, he didn't have very much dynasty value left, probably or maybe even on waiver wires already even before the draft. But it hurts Hamilton. And, and honestly, I think it – I know we're focusing on veterans. I think it hurts Hamler too. Uh, he's he's no better than the the fourth option, maybe the fifth option there. Yeah, it's painful as a Hamler fan. I, I thought – if he got the right landing spot with the right quarterback in the right offense, he, he could make some noise and none of those things really, really came to fruition. It's, it's really, it's really kind of a bummer bummer for us Hamler fans. I do want to throw it right back to you, Ryan with Chase Claypool, because you've been a big Juju Smith Schuster fan in, in Pittsburgh. You've talked about him for years, of course, Chase Claypool, another Pittsburgh wide receiver, another one in the second round. They continue to find these guys to plug in and play uh, in the middle rounds or, or maybe on day two of the NFL draft. Does, does Claypool do the same thing, and does it at all affect Juju Smith-Schuster? I think eventually it could. Uh, it, it could be a, a bad sign, and, and the rumors have been out there from a couple different sources out of Pittsburgh that – they will not be giving Juju that long-term contract or basically that the Steelers would let him walk and, and spending, uh, spending another draft pick, especially an early day two pick on a wide receiver when it could be argued, that's the strength of your team. And, and Pittsburgh is a team that had traded a couple of their picks. So they already enter the draft with, with limited draft capital to spend and their first pick goes on a wide receiver. It it was a surprise to me, and and I don't think the addition of Claypool necessarily hurts Juju in the short term, but uh, I, I do think it gives some credence to those rumors, and and we could see we could see him playing for a new team in 2021. Like you said, with with some of the other players, maybe maybe that's not a bad thing. But typically, uh, Pittsburgh is an offense we want a piece of. Um, the more I thought about it, the Claypool pick did kind of make some sense, though, because Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, they're all kind of similar wide receivers. They kind of do the same thing, and Chase Claypool certainly does not. That size speed freak, 
that the guy who can be uh, a major threat in the red zone, a big target for Big Ben. Um, I think this is a, a great landing spot for Chase Claypool. Yeah, it added a lot to Claypool's value. We'll see if it hurts any of those other current Steelers on the roster as well. I, I, I flip-flopped the rotation, guys, Matt, because I wanted you to talk about Cam Akers. He's kind of been your guy, and he was the next guy to go in the NFL draft. 52 overall to the Rams. Not too bad a landing spot, of course, but but it affects the rest of that offense for sure. Yeah, Akers is my my favorite. He's not the 101, but he's my favorite back in the class. I, I just he, he, he reminds me a little bit of the way he runs of, you know, I don't want to say he's Marshawn Lynch, but you know he has that beast mode, beast mode mode to himself. I think uh, we, we, he had to break multiple tackles on runs at Florida State. He, you know he, he gets a bad offensive line again in the NFL, uh, but you know I, I don't know. I think he he has experience with that, and I don't think it can be bad as as bad as as that. And also he's 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 a good receiver too. I think you can split him out wide if you want to use him that way, and uh, and say you want to run you know five wide. He could be a, he he could be he could be out there and and that and that kind of set. I think uh, the loser here, obviously, I think is Daryl Henderson, which makes me happy for a trade that we made recently, Dan. Uh, (laughs) uh, So it's, it's interesting, you know, you think Henderson is going to be involved a little bit, but acres is, you know, just as good of a receiver, if not better than Henderson is. Henderson is needs that space. Uh, he's, a, I think, he's purely a space player, and and Akers can obviously run behind the tackle, between tackles, and and do everything. You know, he's not pro- probably not going to be Todd Gurley, but he's going to play that role in that offense. And we saw even, uh, you know, a gimpy Todd Gurley last year score double digit touchdowns, right? So if, if, if behind the same bad offensive line, so you know, if, if Akers can be eighty to ninety percent of Gurley, I think he's going to be just fine, even behind that bad line in the NFL. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting landing spot for sure, and it, it's a shame what it did to Henderson because so many of us were excited about his upside. We'll see how it plays out. Henderson will have a role. We'll see how big that role is. We're going to skip right over the 53rd pick, very next in the draft. That was Jalen Hurts. He lands in Philadelphia. You can say what you want about winners and losers there. Ryan, there is a lot to be said about the winners and losers with the 55th pick in the NFL draft. Baltimore took J.K. Dobbins. They they claimed we couldn't pass up on him. He was just too good. We had him ranked so much higher. That, that knocks a couple other running backs on the roster down a couple of pegs for us dynasty owners, however. Yeah, this is another one, not, not necessarily Dobbins, but this is another spot that uh, the team had been projected to take a running back and, and getting Dobbins, who's actually the fifth running back drafted. A lot of people had him projected to be the, the second or third. It was just, uh, it, it was just perfection for Baltimore. Uh, but we, we kind of saw it coming for Mark Ingram, almost certainly his last season with the Ravens. And I don't think he's necessarily, uh, as big of a loser as, as guys like Damian Williams, where I, I could see their role really diminishing. I mean, I still expect Mark Ingram to be the week one starter. I expect him to be a big part of that offense and, and the Ravens to kind of sprinkle in uh, J.K. Dobbins and, and basically ramp up his his usage as the season goes along. Like I said, we saw it coming with Mark Ingram. I mean, he's he's over 30. He's... Uh, we we just don't expect him to have a ton of dynasty value left. I think it's kind of 
even even worse news, or, or maybe Justice Hill is actually the biggest loser in this uh, draft in this draft scenario with with Dobbins landing there. Um, his value, I think, is is just sunk, and he was a guy that I really liked and and had some hope for. Yeah, we. I think I can speak for all of us when I say all of us were excited for Justice Hill, a guy that we wanted on our dynasty rosters. Well, question that. Now he's dropping in those startup startup ADP, all those drafts that we're doing. Justice Hill hangs around for for good reason, really. Uh, third on the depth chart and and not looking at a lot of touches in 2020. Matt, let's throw it back to you with the Rams once again. Van Jefferson lands in the second round to the Rams. Some of us as dynasty owners, we were excited about the upside of Josh Reynolds. Maybe that that moves down the peg a peg or two uh going forward with Jefferson in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it's a it's kind of a hedge pick, you know, maybe they're not going to re-sign Cooper Cup next year when he's an unrestricted free agent, which would would make me sad. Uh but you know, I think it's it's a hedge on all this. He's it's another guy that's a really good route runner. Maybe obviously not as good as Judy, but maybe second or third in the class as a route runner. Uh, and, you know, from a production profile standpoint, he was, he's not good. <laughs> he never really did it in college. Uh, but it's, but it's there on, on, on film in terms of his route running ability, his ability to get separation uh, on his own without having to have these manufactured touches. So, uh, and he's got the second round draft capital, right? So it, I think if there is a potential gigantic steal in your rookie draft, it might be Van Jefferson. You know, I think he's going in the third round and most of the ones that I I've seen sometimes the early fourth round. So at that point, I think it's worth taking a shot on the draft capital here. And, you know, it's probably not going to happen in year one. Uh, but, you know, in, in year two in 2021, he could have a, a pretty significant role in that McVay offense. Yeah, it's a shame what it does for Reynolds because a lot of us have been holding on to him. Uh, seems like maybe he's got a short window to to show what he can do as as the next guy in line for the Rams. Ryan, let's talk about the Jets. They ended ended the slide really for Denzel Mims. Uh some expected, I think most expected him to go at the end of round 1, maybe early round 2. He goes late round 2 to the Jets. It was not an ideal landing spot for Denzel Mims, but maybe helps a veteran on the roster. Yeah, I think it's got to be good news for Sam Darnold who who needed another weapon there. Uh really needs probably more than one. Uh, of course, lost Robbie Anderson, lost that deep threat. They bring in Brashad Perriman to kind of fill that role. Uh, I, I don't necessarily view this as as bad news for Perriman or Jamison Crowder, who I think they each kind of kind of have their defined roles. And Mims fits in uh, as a little bit between that deep threat and, and that possession type receiver. Uh, Mims can do a little bit of everything, and I won't be surprised if he becomes Darnold's top target uh, with with Crowder and uh, and and Perriman kind of doing what they do. Matt, the the last guy we need to talk about is is another Packers pick. It's AJ <laughs> Dillon. With the he was the last uh, skill position player selected in round two. I should throw in that J.K. Dobbins went just seven picks earlier. The Packers thought it was good value to get A.J. Dillon <laughs> at the end of round two. It's painful. Uh, just before you throw in your Packers perspective, 
as as a as a dynasty owner, AJ Dillon in Green Bay, it obviously hurts Aaron Jones and his chances of getting getting that new contract, becoming that guy that that is featured in that offense for the long haul. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think it hurts Aaron Jones from a usage standpoint, at least in at least in Dillon's first year here. Uh I think where it really hurts them is the touchdown production, right? All the, I mean, Jones was so good, you know, close to the goal line last year, obviously with his double digit touchdowns. Right. But when you have that big bully Dylan there, you know, what's going to make you want to give it to, 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 to Jones over, over Dylan, unless it's going to be a passing play, you know? So uh, that is the one concern. I think, I, I guess Aaron Jones is a sell, I guess. Uh, but you know, I think in year one, I think he's going to be okay, and the next year maybe he's on a better team, uh, or not a, a better team because the Packers are not going to be good in twenty twenty one with Jordan Love starting, right? Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but man, Dad, you really set me up here. You're making me talk about Dylan and Love. I want to talk about Denzel Mims and J.K. Dobbins and these guys. This is I, this is not fair, man. Spew your knowledge, bro. Bring it. J.K. Dobbins, Denzel Mims. Tell me what you think. Uh- <laughs> And now you're really putting my spot. No, Dobbin. No, I think that's just a, such a perfect pick, man. And I, I, I mostly agree with Ryan that Ingram's going to stay the the lead back there. But I, I would, I don't think it's out of the possibility, or the possibility that Dobbins takes over. You know, halfway through the season, they just he just gets on the field and just so much better. I think that could definitely be one of those situations. And honestly, I'm surprised that Dobbins or Acres was not the Steelers' pick because their wide receiver. Or, like Ryan said, that's a strength, but their running backs are not a strength, and 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 Connor's probably going to be gone next year, so that's going to be a position of need for them. Uh, and Mims, I think he's absolutely the top target in 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 New York. You know, it's actually if it wasn't for the Gase factor, uh, I'd be over the moon in this landing spot. I think Darnold's going to love him. He's going to be the the one. He's going to be able to uh, run the sideline routes. He he's not going to be the speed. I mean, he's fast as all get out, so he's not going to play the speed role necessarily like Perriman is. But he's going to be the do everything guy and and downfield you know intermediate target short target i think he's going to be be the guy for new york matt we this is a a conversation dan and i had uh the other day as we were trying to make a a draft pick in our in our dlf champions league so the ravens of course take jk dobbins they've got justice hill they drafted last year they have um gus edwards who was a solid backup and and they brought him back on uh, on on an option for 2020, and then they have Mark Ingram, who is uh, due to make a four million base plus uh, plus some bonuses. Is there any chance they just cut Mark Ingram before the season starts, and they roll with with these three? I I, th- I think if they if there was a training camp, then then that that would be a lot more likely. I think with if there's no training camp, then I don't think that's probably going to happen. And I think Ingram is probably. I think he's obviously well liked there and he's that charismatic leader on the field, you know, in the locker room, that kind of thing. So he's going to be there. I don't think they would cut him just mostly based on that, but, but, but Dobbins, I, I think I read something that uh, he, uh, he, I think he, he led college football or something at Ohio state in terms of RPOs and what, what does Baltimore do? They, they run that RPO. So he's going to be amazing in that system. I think uh very efficient runner as, and, and as a pass catcher. So it's possible that, that Ingram takes a back seat in terms of getting cut. I'm, I'm not sure about that one i mean dobbins in baltimore it's perfect he would be the 101 absolutely in nine nine out of ten years right i mean yeah he's almost always going to be the 101 and now he's the three or the four 
Uh, this year is ridiculous. I mean, if you ignore <laughs> if if you ignore that Ingram is there, where is he? Is he's two at worst? I mean, for me, he would be ahead of Taylor if if Ingram was not there. Yeah, nice point. Good point for sure. Uh, lots of talking points, guys. There's so much to talk about. Maybe we missed. Did we miss a winner or a loser, listeners? If you think so, tag Matt at Matt Price FF. <laughs> tag Ryan at Ryan. MC23, and, and you can forget about me at dmiler22. Uh, we are at the DLF podcast on Twitter as well. Guys, good pod. We talked about a lot of these winners and losers. Next week, we'll talk a, a lot about more players. Get to another mock draft as well. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.